Joe Hart, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare, is in studio today. What an honor. And we're going to get through what we call our medical news roundup. But first, we were just chatting off air. And the Medical Society recently gave you a pretty cool award. It was a pretty good honor. I was really very honored to receive it. It's called the, uh, the Schluter Award. And essentially, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award, although I don't think I've got done with my lifetime. I've got a long ways to go. I, I think you do, but still, that says so much. Congratulations. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it, to get it from your peers is, is what's, what I thought was really very cool. And the society's been around for 187 years, and this is the 21st time they've given out this award. Wow. Is, is it a St. Louis thing? Is it's it a regional? Saint, it's the St. Louis Metropolitan Medical Society. So it's a combination of St. Louis. There used to be two medical societies, the St. Louis City and then the, the surrounding areas, and they merged many years ago. So it's the oh, compass hey, imagine that. Yeah, Merging a merger. the city and the county. <laughs> so did you give a speech? I had a speech. Did you remember to thank your wife? I, I did, because last time I got some things, I thanked him at the end uh-huh. and discovered I better thank him at the very did beginning. You, yeah. Did you thank the radio show you're on? <laughs> Absolutely. Every yeah. week. That was right after his wife. <laughs> before his and kids. And before my yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, we are so um, proud to have you be a part of this show. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. So let's start with what could be a game changer, at least in my mind, a new treatment for melanoma. What do we know? Uh, about it at this point. It's really exciting because we've had a medication for blood cancers, leukemia. It's called CAR-T for about 10 years, and that's using gene therapy and and some really exciting stuff there. But about 90% of cancers are solid tumors. So they this wouldn't have any effect on that. So this is the first treatment that's been approved for solid tumors. And so when we say treatment, the tumor would still have to be cut out and then there's some sort of medication or? Not necessarily. What they do with this treatment is, and it's on melanomas, which are skin cancers. Yes. This one's from proof for They take some cells out of the tumor itself. Okay. So some T lymphocyte cells, uh, but tumor fighting cells. And then they kind of do the $6 million man treatment on it. They make it bigger, faster, stronger, better than before and multiply those cells and then inject those back into the body. So now you have these super tumor killers specific for that individual and that particular cancer. And then that goes through a system and can actually destroy all the cancer, no matter where it's spread in the body, because these this cells are going huge. everywhere. It has the potential to be a total game changer for cancer. Is yeah. this something that came about from that CRISPR thing that we have seen? It's the same kind of thing. It is a gene therapy, and it's a specific gene therapy. It's a little bit different than CRISPR, where you're, you're replacing genetic code within the body itself. This one, you're actually giving them back tumor-killing cells that the body makes itself, but more specific to that particular tumor. And would this be something that somebody is taking a pill, they're still going to go in, and it's going to be like a chemotherapy kind of thing? It's a combination of that. It's at least 22 days in the hospital, minimum, and maybe more. Basically, you have to take cells out of the body, then grow them outside the body. Uh, In the meantime, when you're getting ready to to put it back in, you have to have them come into the hospital again and kill off most of their cells. So you make them very immunocompromised, just like you do with chemotherapy. You destroy all the cells, and then you inject these new cells back into that. So it's a long process, minimum of 22 days in the hospital, uh, potentially more. And there's a lot of risks with it because when you are destroying the body's immunity, when you make someone immunocompromised, 
there's a lot of risks for other things that can happen. And I'm assuming at some point this is going to be crazy expensive, but will insurance hopefully cover it? You know, it's brand new. It just got approved. So I think there's a lot of testing that has to happen, a lot of things. But the company itself is pricing it at, for the therapy, it's $515,000. Uh, but that doesn't count all the, the hospitalizations, all the other things you have to do to prepare the body. So my guess is it's going to be at least double to triple that. Help me try to understand uh, something medically, Dr. Johar. A virus is something that gets into your body and tries to kill you or, or tries to spread and, you know, it and work its way. It's trying to do stuff. Well, it's to trying you. to replicate in the body and it uses you as a host to do it. Right. Uh, cancer, uh, from everything that I can understand about it, is just a mutated cell that just happens to multiply and triple and, and just like you said, duplicate itself until all of your other cells are gone and it's the only one left. Exactly. Cancer almost seems like a mistake in the body, whereas the virus is trying to actually kill you. That's that's actually a really way, good way to look at it. Yeah, it's the something breaks down in the body. So would it be, if we could figure out a way, would it be easier to treat cancer um, as a mistake rather than trying to treat a virus which is actively trying to work against you? It's a really interesting philosophical point. I, I would, off the top of my head, say yes, because a virus is mutating and trying to change. Cancer is just trying to replicate. Right. Yeah. So I think once you could figure out what that trigger is or stop it from replicating. Just turn it off and then it's done. And that's kind of what this is trying to do. Well, hmm. if only it were that easy with all cancers, but this is super exciting. Something else that I think is exciting, and this is not a replacement for EpiPen, but there is a new allergy medication. That's what I thought when I first read about it. But actually, this medication has been around since 2003. So it's been used in the past for treating allergic asthma. But now oh. they figured out that this can actually work for allergies. So, so the medication isn't new. It just now has a new purpose. Correct. It's got a new treatment, a new purpose, a new dosage of way to do it. Um, and it's really exciting because it has the potential... It's, it doesn't replace an EpiPen. It doesn't replace uh, avoiding the allergy yes. in the first place. But this is something that's really good for, say, a, a child that has a really severe peanut allergy. And as a parent or as a child, you can't always be certain that you're not going to be around peanuts. Mm -hmm. um, things of that sort. So what this is, is if you know you've got a documented peanut allergy, you have a risk of being exposed to it again. You can take this mission and you will still have an allergic reaction potentially. But if you do, it's going to be very, very mild as opposed to an anaphylactics. Deadly. We know that in the studies, about 17% of people did not have any effect from the medication. So one out of five will still have that severe allergic reaction. So you have to always be careful about avoiding the allergen or having an EpiPen in those cases. But about 56% of people did really well with it and were able to get a dose. Um, the dose they used to check someone with a peanut allergy was uh, 2.5 peanuts. <sighs> Uh, so if they could handle alone, two and a yeah. half peanuts and be okay, that was considered a success. But you see how little exposure you need to get an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah, that is honestly scary, especially if you have a child and try to teach them what it looks like and send them over for a, a sleepover and not knowing what's in that cupboard and they're going to get into. It's, it's all kinds of things. And, and a lot of people don't know my, my future son-in-law actually had a reaction to a shellfish, but he didn't have the shellfish. It was just they the at the restaurant used the same pot that oh. they had just cooked shellfish oh. in and then cooked his meal. 
And that alone. And how enough. bad was it? His was not bad because, but uh, the panicked phone call I got from I from bet it was. Yeah. was not fun. Right. So yeah. we were able to tell him some over-the-counter things to get right away and, and to make sure that. And, and after that, he's got an EpiPen with him all the time. Now does your future son-in-law kind of owe you his I, I plan to, yeah. to make sure he does. but you know. I would too. Uh, you've been practicing medicine for how long? Uh, I think I went to class with Hippocrates. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, but you've, you just won the Lifetime Achievement Award, um, yeah. but you've got plenty of years ahead of you. When you look at things like what we saw with this melanoma, when you look at what, what you're talking about here with these allergy things, are you amazed at how far we've come or have we been just, you know, step by step? Getting better and better. I, I think we don't realize how far we've come because we just see the step-by-step things. Mm-hmm. We see the little things that have happened. But if you look back even even 50 years ago um, or less, the things that we've achieved are just incredible. Yeah. You know, um, even simple things that we don't even think about. Um, the President Kennedy had a, a child that died from prematurity. Well, that child was 35 weeks, I think, or 34 weeks. Which now with the technology, we wouldn't even think of that as a premature baby. We're like, okay, well, they'll yeah. be here a couple of days. That's it. But because of the research that that spurred, now we can go almost down to 25, 26 weeks to keep somebody alive. So things like that. Um, I was actually watching the last 10 minutes of Love Story. And spoil alert for anybody. Yeah. Bad stuff happens <laughs> at the oh, end. No. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. then I, of course, got Googling like, okay, what did she die of? What happened here? And- that's something that we could treat now. Yeah. You know, it's oh, the stuff that we, that you see. Don't that, tell Ryan man. O'Neill that. Oh. Mm. Well, oh. not right. period. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, I've shared this before as well, but Marsha has a particular kind of blood cancer that 10 years ago probably would have killed her. Now she is on spry cell. She takes it every day and she is living a, a happy, healthy life. But those, you know, and I think we can't, you know, reiterate enough how much or how important research is. And you don't know whose life that is going to save in the future. And, and that's what, what bothers me about so much of what we've seen recently in, in the last few years. You know, research is so critically important. Mm-hmm. You don't know where it's going to lead. You follow what science shows you. And you go from there, and the, then you make advances. And to just ignore science and say this isn't important. I mean, like we're doing with, with vaccines. Now there's a big measles outbreak in Florida. And that's because 11% of the population in that school doesn't hasn't received the measles vaccine. 11% in one school? That's a big percentage. It's I, huge. I would but, love to see the the demographics of of that school district or the kids that go to that school just to say who are who are these people well it, it's scary because i think um you know a lot of the different we're seeing an, uh, outbreaks of smallpox again now because people aren't getting vaccinated okay so people don't trust uh, the covid vaccine or whatever do but they you've st- had anti-vaxxers long before there was the COVID right. vaccine. Do they still trust the measles? Do they pick and choose which vaccines they trust and which ones they don't? Some don't trust any vaccines yeah. at all. Some are picking and choosing. Um, you know, I, I I don't understand. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of misinformation. Misinformation, a lot of yes. Um, and you know the the way we have communicating now, being able to get things out so fast and so broad to everybody. I think just spurs it on. I, um, and that's why, you know, in, in medicine, we stick with the science. And, you know, uh, I know he's 
controversial. I don't know why, but uh, Dr. Fauci, that's what he said. We actually had a, a meeting with him once, and, and he people asked him that. It's like, how do you do this? I mean, how do you deal with all the different presidents, with all the different political views? And, and, and he served under mm-hmm. seven presidents. And he said, all you can do is just stick straight, straight to the science, stick to the facts, and just go from there and let, this, let the science lead you. And that's, I think, what all of us have tried to do. Yeah. We, we try to learn, and science changes. I mean, our knowledge changes as we go. Well, we are so grateful to you, Dr. Ravi Johar, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare and Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award winner. Thank you so much for uh, joining us once again. It's great to be with you guys in person, especially.